Now, it's easier to talk about these primordial forces. Jung talks about them at great length, the archetypes of the collective unconscious. It all sounds so easy, it sounds so smooth, as though we know all about it, but do we? What are these? What are they like? And in the life of Padmasambhava, there are some pictures, some very interesting pictures, some very vivid descriptions of some of them. And I'm going to read just a few passages to give you some idea. Because one shouldn't really here engage in abstract descriptions. Eh? One wants to bring oneself, as it were, right up against these forces in a very vivid and concrete manner. Hmm? These have got various names. They're called, yes, gods, they're called demons, they're also called darkinis. Eh? Uh, the darkinis appear again and again in the life of Padmasambhava. They represent these primordial energies of a particular kind or in the particular aspect. They're very strange, but they're within all of us and we have to come to some sort of terms with them. So, all right, let's just, as it were, introduce ourselves to a few of them. I'll read just a few passages and let's see what you make of them. The text is describing some of Padmasambhava's relatively early encounters with the gods and demons, this time of Tibet, uh, sorry, of India, and especially with Darkinis. Uh, Padmasambhava goes to burning grounds, to cremation grounds. Uh, he practices austerities there. He meditates, and the Darkinis start gathering around him and sort of looking at him, and he, as it were, subdues them. Uh, what that means you can understand perhaps for yourselves. Eh? But describing one of these places, the text says, There are to be seen countless darkinis. Some of them have eyes that dart out sun rays. Others give rise to thunderclaps and ride water buffaloes. Others hold sabers and have eyes which inflict harm. Others wear death's heads one above the other and ride tigers. Others wear corpses and ride lions. Others eat entrails and ride garudas, great winged birds. Others have flaming lances and ride jackals. Others, five-faced, are steeped in a lake of blood. Others, in their numberless bands, carry many generations of living beings. Others carry in their hands their own heads which they have severed. Well, some of you probably have done that. <laughs> others carry in their hands. Others carry in their hands their own hearts, which they have torn out. There are others who have made gaping wounds in their own bodies and who empty out and devour their own intestines and entrails. There are others who hide and yet reveal their male or female sexual organs, riding horses, Bulls, elephants. So some of the darkinis. These are forces, these are primordial forces, so to speak, within ourselves. These are the forces which have to be subdued, which doesn't mean just crushed, held down by force, but integrated into our conscious attitude, so that our conscious attitude, our conscious being, our conscious personality, if you like, can be enriched, so that our spiritual life isn't just some pale, anemic thing. Mm -hmm. So that it is glowing, as it were, and throbbing with the energy of the darkinis, eh? with the energy of the, the gods and the demons that have been tamed and transformed. Eh? 
So now another little passage, this one describes an individual Dakini. Yeah? The last one described a whole gang of them, as it were. <laughs> this one describes an individual Dakini. She's a very interesting character. Hmm? Uh, her name is Adamantine Conqueror of Demons. Huh? I mean, demons themselves sometimes conquer demons. Huh? In the northeast is the Dakini Adamantine Conqueror of Demons who arouses sexuality and vomits small children. She has a cranberry red body and wears trousers of blue cotton. <laughs> she has the beak of a peacock, the, owls of an, the eyes of an owl, wears the six ornaments of bone on her pure breast, a mirror in the middle of her forehead, a vajra circle tying the tuft of her hair, and in her hands are yellow vajras. So this is the particular Dakini, Adamantine conqueror of demons. So these are the sort of beings that Padmasambhava subdued. So this is what Padmasambhava, this is what the Guru represents. He represents well, the Dharma itself. He represents Buddhism itself. He represents, if you like, the Buddha himself in this particular aspect of subduer of all these primordial energies and forces within us in the depths of our own unconscious mind so that they can be integrated with the purer, clearer energies of the spiritual life. So that our spiritual life, as I said, is not just an anemic and pale and sort of watery thing, but pulsing with life and with energy. We're not to cut ourselves off from these forces, from these energies. We're not to disown them. We're to incorporate them and integrate them, which means, so to speak, subduing them. Huh? 